Lost and Sound is sponsored by Audio Technica. This year is the company's 60th anniversary. Audio Technica are a global but still family-run company that make affordable products. Headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones, stuff that I use, stuff that most likely you use because they believe that high-quality audio should be accessible for all. They made the first mic I ever owned. I quite like that. So head on over to audiotechnica.com, check out all of their range of stuff. Okay? Cool, we're just out of a heat wave. It's early morning in Mitte in Berlin right now. And welcome to Lost and Sound. I'm a writer, an author, a presenter, and very possibly the only person to ever move to Berlin to stop being a DJ. And welcome to Lost and Sound, the podcast where we meet the innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their thing and do it in their own way. And we talk about life and the things that inspire us to make what we do. Because beautiful things don't come out of a hierarchy of knowledge, but out of sharing past guests have included Peaches, Jim O'Rourke, Chili Gonzalez, Letitia Sadie, Ghost Poet, Roman Flugel, Ellen Alien, Jan Tiersen, and so, so, so much more. And today, you're going to hear a conversation I had a couple of weeks back with Tash LC. Head on over to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Paul Hanford, where you can get extra regular mini episodes, access to diaries, occasional video episodes, exclusives from time to time on new pieces of writing that I'm doing and access to the Lost and Sound community on Discord. It's all very new. It's something I'm trying out. Head on over, check it out. My book, Coming to Berlin, is out now on Velocity Press. Right, Tash LC. Something that has, has come up quite a lot in a lot of conversations that I'm having with DJs, with, with producers, with, with people that like dancing and people that just like going out and people that just like music generally is, is, is what has changed and what hasn't changed since everything reopened again. And obviously, as you can hear around me right now, I'm in, in Berlin, techno capital of the world, TM. And there's this general feeling of, of, you know, lots of conversations going around about like, is, you know, is, Ber is your Bergheins and is your, are your Trezors, are they still the same? You know, and of course, nothing is ever the same. Everything changes all of the time. And, and having a two-year gap uh, pretty much here, you know, has, has created changes. And um, a little bit of what I talk about with Tash LC is, is about how, how these changes, how she's noticed them in London. Um, she's one of the most exciting DJs, in my mind, at the moment. Her Instagram handle reads, always listening, 
dancing, chatting. She has shows on NTS, past residencies on KISS FM, BBC Radio 1 Extra, long-standing show on Worldwide FM. She also runs the club nights... She also runs the club nights Boko Boko and Club Yeke, which is also a record label. I love her energy. I love the energy of her sets, the way she blends sounds in. I'm always learning something when I listen to her sets. Um, she's brilliant. We had this chat a couple of weeks back. This is me, Paul Hamford, talking with Tash LC. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going? You are right? I'm not too bad, thank Ooh. you. How's your day? Not too bad, not too bad. We're not in a heat wave here, but we're kind of on that sort of little bit of periphery beforehand where if you live in a building on a fourth floor, you're still sort of feeling quite hot in the building. Yeah. Whereabouts are you? Oh. I'm, I'm in Berlin here. So. Oh, nice. Is that where yeah. you live? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's your day going? Yeah, it's good. Um, I've just not done that much. I went to the gym um, and just tidied up a bit, done some emails, and then I've just been like, yeah, been relatively slow so far. But it's been, yeah, it's been nice, actually. I'm trying to, like, go take things a bit easier at the moment because, obviously, summer's hectic, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? I, I To be honest with you, I, I've kind of like had a bit of a hiatus from doing the podcast just through the summer because so many of the people that I, I kind of arranged to speak to or want to speak to are just too busy kind of touring and doing festivals and, and stuff like that. And I kind of got used to for the last two years, everyone just being about <laughs> and suddenly yeah, we're, yeah, we're kind yeah. of suddenly back to normal, really. Yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, it's definitely like coming back. And so I was talking to my friend about it actually, though, and just saying like how people still aren't really buying tickets and there's still an issue definitely within like yeah music at the moment of things are still quite slow to come back financially for a lot of like promoters and um yeah obviously recession kind of vibes here a little bit too and it's all a bit all over the place but but what's Berlin saying at the moment? I, yeah, I, I, it's interesting what you're saying about people that aren't buying tickets. Do you think, I mean, I'll t- you know, I wonder if it's the same with Berlin, but is this because do you think people are kind of cautious that, like, you know, they might buy a ticket for two weeks' time, but then they might get Rona or something like that, and so people are just playing it by ear? I don't know if it's so much that. Maybe, maybe actually. I think it's just more a case of people being a bit more anxious about money, I think, mm. and, like, I think it's more a thing of people kind of in my immediate circle anyway, are like friends. I think people also do become quite dependent on things like guest lists and don't really want to pay and kind of, but that's, I guess, only like a small minority of people when you look at the grand scheme of like things and like when you actually look at who's actually going raving. Um, but I think it's, yeah, probably just like maybe, maybe that I think I've spoken to some friends who don't really go out that much for going out. It's never been like a huge, huge part of their life, I guess. But even those mm. that went out more, I think people that kind of, interestingly, I think a lot of people that kind of realised they were kind of going out for the sake of it and it wasn't necessarily for them and now like found a, like, a lot of quiet within, um, within uh, like just being at home, doing more chill things or going to the pub or just chatting with friends. And I think maybe the pandemic showed a lot of people that, going out just wasn't really their thing and so they don't want to like pay money into it which is a shame but I think people are just I don't know there's definitely a culture here as well in in the UK of like after by afters vibes and just chilling and I think it's that's kind of maybe probably like a European thing too but people mm. just chilling at people's houses and having drinks and whatever and going to the pub I think there's just so many like different types of people that like engaging with 
like nightlife and socializing in different ways you've got like pub people and you've got like pub people uh, and people that do both but I do find yeah friends that like are more pub people are just like happy to just do that all the time rather than paying to go to a night out because it's just not as important to them it's more about the element of like chatting to friends and that so yeah it's interesting I think maybe that's what a lot of people have ended up realizing yeah I mean in a way like that's really nice that sort of if there's people that perhaps felt that the, there was a pressure to kind of keep up with things now I've got the kind of confidence to sort of just go like, actually do you know what I never really enjoyed doing that more than twice a year and and they've kind of sort of found their own vibe more um I think in, in Berlin what I've also noticed as well as I don't know if you've noticed this in, or if it's something you picked up on or is going on in London is with having like a because we had pretty much like a two-year gap from clubbing yeah and so like a lot of the a lot of people that say used to go to Berghain don't go anymore uh, mm. because they feel it's kind of that you know like, like you say they've got a bit too old for it or like they, they've just moved on to something else so there's a sort of whole uncertainty of like people haven't quite worked out who the club people are at the moment they were the people that are kind of couldn't wait to get back but it, yeah. it's also meant that sometimes the experience inside venues has changed a little bit like some of the older people have gone and sort of like commented that they don't really feel the same connection anymore and yeah yeah have you you noticed that yourself uh yeah I think so yeah I think that like there's also I think it's music's got a big part to play in that obviously Mm. but in terms of like what's popular at the moment and like music trends too because I think when it comes to like club music at the moment what's really having a resurgence is everything like sort of 90s and noughties like uh hardcore and jungle and breaks and like uh drum and bass and stuff so that's kind of at the moment in the UK anyway kind of at the forefront at the minute which isn't really interesting because that's also tying into like Gen Z and TikTok and like clothing and fashion and trends and everything and it's all this like kind of melting pot of just like nostalgia I suppose and I think that's having a big effect on like the demographic of people that are going out because we're seeing a lot of like kind of more 18 to like 22 year olds kind of are like when I'm out a lot of the time now I remember specifically after the pandemic yeah I remember the first few times I went out being like wow I feel like a lot older and everyone is like very like visibly younger and it kind of took me back a little bit mm-hmm. um but now I guess that's inevitable because you've got like two years of worth of people that have now turned 18 and now they're going out mm-hmm. and they're like stand out so much more because of how they dress and the references that they're kind of taking from and stuff so it's it's like kind of fascinating like kind of socially just observing people and I think uh, there's a whole bunch of like factors that are feeding into like the reasons why um ravers are changing and maybe it's just a case of people getting older and and for some people age means not going I mean I can't relate but for some people <laughs> going out like or stop it like kind of retiring from the club is you know they think that you've got to stop at a certain age or mm-hmm. they kind of think that you know the way that you hang out is needs to change and for some people they're just not as comfortable which is fine but I find it quite sad if that's people's specific reasons for not wanting to go out because I'm like well anybody is welcome into the club you know mm-hmm. um or should be anyway should feel like mm-hmm. we are but I can also understand at the same time why you'd feel a bit intimidated by being surrounded by people in their early 20s or late teens and you're a bit older I can understand why you'd kind of feel like that wasn't your space or almost like you weren't included or accepted into those spaces so it's com- I think it's very complicated actually yeah because I think um like that there's always been like new generations coming up like every week but but there was always like a kind of there was an uninterrupted flow wasn't there and like we had this kind of that the pause sort of created a break between 
between like like a moat or something between what happened before and afterwards so i think it's a lot more visible now to kind of notice if if if, you know if someone's taken a step back and they feel a bit unconfident about clubbing or it's not their thing so much more it becomes easier to notice the things that have changed rather than you know the fluidity really you know yeah Um, you've you've always um like on on your instagram handle you've written like always listening dancing chatting um and you've got shows on so many different stations you've got two labels you're djing a lot Uh, that's a lot of music so when you say always listening um are you someone that's just like always listening to music Mm, good question yeah i like yeah i am generally yes i am and like when I say always listening to, I think I mean that in the sense of I, because for me, like the pandemic changed, like one of the biggest things that changed for me was my um, openness towards genres that I hadn't been open to before, specifically like techno. Um, so like for me, I would say the pandemic sort of like really changed my ways of listening. So like I just found myself being way more yet open towards stuff that I wouldn't have been into before necessarily, like techno, like electro like just weirder sort of like experimental left stuff and I think before the pandemic I kind of felt like I knew more what I liked and what I was drawn towards and what I was playing and like a lot of what I would be drawn to was because that's what I play and that's what I'm going to be listening to because it's like listening functionally I kind of call it mm-hmm. like listening to stuff in order to play it um and then I feel like through yeah through COVID I really started actually listening to albums and like going on more deep dives and like obviously I wasn't DJing so when I was listening to tunes it wasn't for the purpose of playing out and kind of listening like in a rush it was more listening to stuff to actually sit down and like take it in and enjoy it and I just found myself like really listening to music in a new way and finding like so much crossover in genres and like Mm. so much percussion and so much like soul that kind of sounded similar to the soul in other music and I was like oh wait this makes sense it doesn't have to be this like sort of uh like compartmentalization of sounds all the time mm. like stuff can just make sense together so I'd say that's when my listening habits really really change I think I've always been quite open but that's when it changed for me and coming out of that now I think I just I'm so much more appreciative of so much music than I more music than I was before and when I say like always listening it's like I'm constantly keeping my ears open for new stuff and mm. that new stuff doesn't need to be global club it doesn't need to be like um afrocentric or it doesn't need to be like necessarily like percussive or uh all the stuff that you kind of maybe would affiliate me with and I think that I just want to keep my my kind of ears and my openness towards music always open and like I always I want to just continue to evolve in the way that I do listen and in the kind of communities that I can become a part of and the people that I can meet and the friends I can make from different scenes because I genuinely am excited about a lot more than just very than they're just specific sounds and um yeah, I just like really, I think I am generally always listening to stuff, whether it's like on Spotify, Bandcamp, like buy, I'm constantly buying music, like spending so much money on music all the time. And so it really is for me still a case of like always digging and I'm always doing that no matter if it's digitally or if it's like records, which I do a bit less of now, but like I still try to when I can. But yeah, like I, I'm just always finding myself in music holes or just like getting excited by something new like it literally never ends so yeah I'm 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 a I am like grateful to have like developed my ways of listening a lot 
recently mm-hmm. and um i hope i stay that way <laughs> Yeah, yeah. because um, I, was, I was listening to, I think it was your most recent NCS show. I was listening to it this morning anyway, I think so. And you began with the, that Hagen cut, which I fucking love. And and then, but then also like through, through like, you know, shows on Worldwide as well and stuff. Like, again, like you're, you're you know, you're, there, there's such a difference between sort of the, some of the music you play, but it flows like, you know, it, everything's got a flow to it, no matter what kind of style you're taking from or where in the world it's come from. And what, what do you feel that the kind of things that sort of when you're kind of like compiling, you know, uh, either live as a DJ or like when you're doing, you know, you're sort of getting your radio set together. What do you feel are the sort of like strands that sort of connect the music together? Because I quite often don't see music in genre so much as just sort of like, I'm a bit synesthetic, so I sort of sometimes see it in shapes sure. and colours and stuff. But you, I think when you're a cur- you creator, you just some, you just have like a sense that you know when things fit mm. for you, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think, and that's something I'm always actually thinking about is like, what is that thread that holds everything together? Mm. And I think for me, it ultimately is percussion. Like that's fundamentally what it is. But I think now it's more like it's it's wider and I think the it's more it's um deeper almost in that I'll hear something specific in like say it's like a denary segment tune or a soca tune and then there'll just be some kind of percussion or maybe it's even I think a lot of it's unconscious for me as well like maybe it's a specific instrument I'm hearing or a synth or a sound where I'm like oh that makes sense and now I can hear it in that and it's obviously not something that I'm doing consciously but it's something that I think that my brain's so used to hearing and my ears that is something that I'm just naturally drawn towards so like I'm also for me it's also not synesthetic necessarily but it's more of a feeling thing so like I'm also really into like um I, I grew up on like indie music and so like I sometimes do still reach for like indie tunes or I'm also into like kind of more solely stuff as well like modern stuff like like Cleo Soul like Fina Hughes and for me it's like when I look for the that kind of music it's more it's like something that I literally feel here and like that's the and it sounds a bit cheesy but that that's the way that I feel it and it's literally like in my chest it's like a deep breath and mm. I think that's kind of what I feel when I'm looking when I hear certain tunes and I literally make a sound it's like when I hear something that <laughs> I really like or I buy something I'm literally like I just say sick and I even if I'm on my mm. own I just like shout because I'm like that's it and like I can hear it like that's the thing and that's what I get so excited about. And it's something that I can't really like, I feel like I can't really articulate. But even when I'm like, I have this thing that I do when I'm like at a DJ set, watching somebody play or a live set or whatever it is. And like, if I'm really feeling it, there'll be like a moment where it hits me and then I literally, and I'll go like that. And that's when I'm like, give it to me. (laughs) Bring it, bring it, bring it. And I'm like, it's kind of that sign for me to the artist that like, I can feel what you're doing. Like, give it, give it, give it, like keep giving Mm -hmm. it. I can feel that energy. And like, yeah, I don't know if that's an answer, but it's it's really hard to explain. It's just something that is like, it's like, it's a soul thing, I guess. Mm. <laughs> I think that's a really amazing answer. Thank you. Because I think also what I picked up on what you said, or at least how I, how I took it as well as as a soul thing and as a feeling thing is kind of like, is, is, is about sort of maybe like where you described it. It's, you know, it's like talking about a feeling rather than, I think there's a danger to kind of, some people do it and it's fine, but to over-intellectualize why we yeah, like stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But but if we can kind of articulate what how something makes us feel or like describe moments when something's made us feel, that's like a kind of a connection in itself, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, and sometimes just making it more simple. Like, mm. I like, I don't know if you know Zakia. 
I um, loved she was yeah. on she was a guest on my show actually. Oh, yeah, I love great. her. Yeah. yeah. I love that like on her show, she just on NTS she says very nice and very good, and that's how she yeah. describes it. And I'm just like, I love every time she says that, I'm just like, yes, because it's kind of like, yeah, this is a track that I really like, and it's very nice. Mm. And, it's really good. and it's like sometimes trying to like overthink the words and the like language to explain music when actually it can be just so personal that mm. like now I'm just kind of like sick. And that's just like my word, and I just say it all the time for stuff and like. I've sometimes when it comes to radio been like kind of over aware of myself and been like, oh, I don't want to keep repeating the same things, blah, 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 blah. And I think when you get onto like maybe your BBCs and like bigger stations and you've got more of like a show show or whatever, not to undermine like the, the radio that we do, but like I think then there maybe there's a bit more sort of pressure to be a bit more like a wordy and whatever. But I think still it should come from a place of like authenticity and like, describing things in a way that like you can understand but also you kind of want your audience to get that you love the music it can be while using the language that makes sense for you um Mm. it's just a case of getting comfortable I think but yeah it's it's, I don't know I can't remember what your question even was now I've gone off (laughs) (laughs) because I I, I put a book out recently so I've started being interviewed myself and that's happened to me with interviews as well where I I go really on a flow then suddenly I'm like I don't remember what the question was at all and and stuff (laughs) so I'm quite used to that but um I think when you're talking about like all you know sort of you made a point about authenticity and and kind of being in your flow and 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 you also sort of mentioned about being comfortable with that is that something that you've if you always felt comfortable um you know on the mic uh talking kind of selecting tunes or is that something you feel like you grow more and more into um I think I'm I'm trying to think back to like I feel like I've always been comfortable like talking and been confident as a person in general so like I think I've kind of found it um pretty natural like there's definitely I definitely still have moments where I get nervous because I'm like oh you want to like be funny enough or you want to say the right things or you want people to like kind of engage with you obviously but I think that it's I think it's the reason I got into presenting in the first place was because it's something that just felt natural to me it's like an extension of just like myself but talking to like I guess more strangers I think it's something I've always been yeah relative like pretty comfortable in I think the moments I get more like nervous I guess is more like when I'm hosting things like hosting like boiler rooms or Mm. hosting things live because then it's like people are looking at you and like obviously with radio you've got an audience but they're invisible um and that's such a different experience to hosting live and even now I've been doing it for a while but I still get nervous or think about what to say and again it's that thing of not wanting to repeat yourself like too much Mm. and keeping like the language interesting so yeah, like I definitely do find myself getting nervous at times, but I often remember like the advice that my mum's always given me, which is just like breathing, talking slowly um, and all of those like kind of like quite basic tips, but that still carry you forever if you're presenting on the radio, presenting in general, because you always need to be aware of these things to like center yourself and calm yourself down. But um, yeah, I think it's it's something that I sort of have taken to like relatively naturally. And I kind of knew from getting into presenting like about back in 2015-ish that, because um, I first wanted to be a TV presenter and mm. I was like, well, that's what I want to do. I want to like chat, blah, blah, blah. And kind of have done bits of that, but radio I didn't consider as much, but it feels probably even more comfortable in a lot of ways because you're just like getting to talk about music. And yeah, it's just, it's just it feels like, so the ideal situation is being in a place where you can feel like you're just chatting to mates, I suppose. And that's kind of 
what the ultimate sort of presenting like kind of tip is is just acting like you're just speaking to people that you know and, and being comfortable but yeah it's um I would say it's still a journey sometimes a lot of the time getting more and more and more comfortable I don't think I don't know if there's ever really like an end point to it because <laughs> we're always learning aren't we we're always kind yeah. of uh, and then there's always a curveball around the corner or something else changes like what you're saying about sort of being comfortable with the mic because I, I with radio I think it took me a little while to kind of get over the fact that I wasn't talking to one particular person you know yeah. I, I was talking to a microphone or or someone that's actually more concerned with making sure that the levels are maintained or something yeah. like that um and uh, the first radio show I did was in a coffee shop there was a station in a coffee shop in East London and so I, I was kind of like sort of looking at the reactions of like people that were just probably just trying to have a flat white and not be bothered by me really yeah <laughs> but I I think yeah I think what you say about like uh, yeah the kind of pretend it's your friend you know pretend you're talking to a friend is that is something that I've, I've tried to pick up on as as well and and you kind of you know you mentioned a few things earlier on about kind of growing up as well and that you were an indie kid as well where where, where was growing up for you uh Croydon and what was the kind of what kind of scenes were you in or what was the kind of sort of environment around you when you were kind of first really kind of connecting with music um I would what were the first scenes I was in well I guess like when I was like younger younger I was kind of as I got into like a teenager and I was more into like indie music and kind of like a new electro and stuff like that like through um a friend at school who showed me like enemy magazine and a bunch of like indie artists and indie tunes and like shared an iPod with me and I was like whoa and I opened up my mind fully so I guess like in terms of a scene there there wasn't necessarily like a scene as much as it was just like me and her kind of and like mm. other friends who also kind of was into similar stuff and then a couple of other people at school but not many um and I guess we were also sort of at that age then when we weren't oh, I kind of started going out to gigs when I was like maybe like 15-ish, 14, 15-ish, like a company of like an adult and my mum and my sister. And then, um, so I guess then I was sort of in, not in a scene as much as it was like a community of people around me, but more like I would go to gigs and I guess there'd be people there that were into the same artists, obviously. So then that would be a scene, but we weren't really, mm -hmm. like, I wasn't really hanging out with people from that specific scene, like outside of uh, that space. Mm -hmm. um, and then what happened? And then as I got to like a little bit older and then uh, so I, and then I had like, I was hanging out with friends more like outside of school on weekends and stuff. And even then, like, I think everyone sort of like, then I started getting slightly more into a, a little bit into more dubstepy, like, uh, like hard, step, what's it called? Like, kind of bro steppy type stuff mm. like Skrillexy type stuff that our, our friends from the boys school would like show us and we're like oh this is cool <laughs> and then started listening to like a bit of like kind of Skrillex and then like more of the like new electro stuff and then after that um I'm trying to think when I got started listening to drum and bass I think I was listening to drum and bass when I was probably like 17 18-ish and that's when I started going to like squat raves and then I guess that was then a scene because everybody that I was hanging out with on the weekend with squat raves everybody's like kind of 
what drew everybody together was like the love for drum and bass and like then mm-hmm. going raving so then that I would say was yeah that would have been a scene for sure because we were all like going to the same raves and like kind of me and friends would be like sharing music on SoundCloud and stuff and just drum and bass tunes that we really liked and we'd go to like events and whatever and kind of following like kind of core like drum and bass like sound systems or like artists like around and whatever MCs and stuff so then I'd say that was like a kind of scene and then I guess then from that that then went into me getting into DJing gradually gradually and then I guess it's kind of brought me into the scene that I'm in now I call it a scene yeah I think I call it a scene Mm. Yeah, and what, what what was it about the kind of drum and bass, the, the the kind of squat parties that you were going to, that was like really exciting for you at the time? Um, I think it was like that sense of just like obviously getting really mash up, but also there was that sense of just like freedom of like there's no rules there like you could just do whatever you wanted like it could finish mm. at any time it was just like when you think back now you're like wow like obviously now we've got there's a lot of there's venues are closing down a lot now at the moment in London in like the UK but like what but the venues even are still quite restrictive in general so like what you had there with like with like squat rays was this sort of like at the time it felt like this kind of I don't know, rave sort of like utopia where you could do what you liked and like there was no, yeah, just no rules. And also the spaces mm. like were just huge warehouses where you could just like walk around like loads and it was like loads of rooms, but there was like just, you could just wander about and there wasn't like specific rooms for, it was just kind of like, it was kind of what everything and anything. Mm. Um, and it wasn't like, it didn't feel so structured and it didn't feel like rigid and kind of like, you know, you drink so X amount of pride and da, 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 da. it's like you can just do whatever you wanted. So I think that's what drew us in was the fact that we didn't have to worry about your yeah, ID and like all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And obviously the music too. And I think it felt like everybody was there because they loved the same music and that was also what was like super unique about it now I guess you wouldn't really get anybody that was there to be kind of like posy it was more like people Mm. were there they were actually dancing like people really like you'd get just so gassed and so excited about like about the tunes and like everybody there'd be like specific dance everybody would be like skanking whatever and it was all quite like unified and be like yeah some people will be in the middle of the circle like who's got the best skank and it was actually like a thing Mm. um and people and like I love I love when dancing's like pop dancing is highlighted and sort of put in the front and center Mm. I think that's like it kind of sounds like you know something that happens a lot but it doesn't it doesn't really um well it does but like I think a lot of people go out for different reasons but yeah then it was kind of just like yeah you go out you skank skank all night and then go back home at whatever time in the morning but yeah it just felt like there was like a common sort of love and that was what was nice about it and um I guess it's something that I'm always like looking for now still I think um, so many people that have been lucky enough to have, have experienced um, something in a way you describe uh, from different eras and different places, like it seems to have that sort of the same sort of commonalities that, you know, there's a sort of, you know, it feels, feels things are very unregulated, you know, it's yeah, basically exactly. you've got a space, it's uh, music generated first, you know, um, you know, and, and it's a place where people can, that, 
can just feel free and express themselves. It's all very utopian and, you know, like whether it's like 70s New York disco, um, you know, or or Berlin sort of 20 years ago or something like that. There's those sort of things. If if you sort of like, uh, as a DJ that's sort of getting all of this experience playing different places, if you, do you sort of like, when you're playing now, do you kind of like look out for glimmers of that? Or have you felt like a connection with that recently in terms of, like places you've played or like spirits you've encountered? Have I felt that recently? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking like, I think you def- I definitely feel it when I go to like more I'm a piano type uh, party, mm. like raves, because like it's so sick seeing how the sort of, obviously the origins of the sound are like in South Africa. And then with that has come like the dance moves, um, which are kind of like ever changing and evolving. And then that then is then, traveled here over to the UK and across the world but in the UK then you've got what's happening right now there is like here with the Amapana movement is so like unique and you know you're then seeing people that are going at, to these spots like to die. I mean you've got like a mixture of at the Amapana raves I guess you've got people that are there to kind of like chill and smoke shisha and like have that kind of sexy laid-back vibe but then that's equally as important as the people that are there to like actually dance and go in and like show their moves and like just kind of connect with the music and so seeing that happening now in the UK is like it's so it's so sick and also what also is so exciting whenever that does happen is then you kind of get like when you go to a club and then you've got like all of these like South African people congregating together and you're like wow like I never like even knew there was such a huge community or like Mm. here in or diaspora like here in the UK and then you've suddenly got that's what at my events at like Club Yeke's Often when I've had like Portuguese DJs over, I've had like bare Portuguese people turn up mm. and it's like, oh, wow, like people that I would never really have connected with otherwise in other club environments or like anywhere else are now here at my night because they're here to see this DJ that they like love and like know about from home who's playing here. And I'm like, oh, and it brings people out and you're kind of mm. like, oh, it's not, you know, it's just nice to see communities that aren't just like your mates sometimes or people that you see like every weekend. So that's like sick to see. And like, um, I think it's kind of similar, to be honest, yeah, even with like the, when I was spoken about like the kind of hardcore resurgence that's happening now and like the sort of like um, turbo stuff, I kind of call it like the kind of like in your face, like raw jungly, like hardcore mm. vibes. With that happening too, I think with a lot of the kids that or young people that are going to those waves too are like there, I would say for like a kind of common um they've got like a common love and I think they're there for like common reasons for like just being in love, falling in love with this music that is kind of nostalgic to them and that like they have discovered through like the internet basically and mm. are now like in real life and experiencing it together and kind of like creating those like early noughties like 90s moments like all over again for themselves and so that's been like really sick to see and I'd say that's like a big sense of community like there as well so there's like all of these yeah like I guess pockets kind of like happening and like what I want to do I mean it might talk about it later but yeah with Club Yeke and like what I do is like I just want to like bring almost like bring all of those things together like all of it but like mm. a whole combination of those people I guess under like one in one space is like the dream yeah and, and it's sort of like so you know with Club Yeke and what you're describing there like you know I mean in a way it kind of reminds me a little bit of what we talked about a little bit earlier on about the role of the curator and I always kind of view like curators could go one of two ways but I think curators are really amazing when they're like nice chefs not bad chefs you know like on one hand you've got the kind of bad chef who's all about like you know the kind of I don't know edgelord kind of thing and yeah. uh, you know and on the other hand you've got 
people that want to just kind of connect people, which is kind of what I view, you know, what I what I sort of feel when I listen to, you know, your shows, you know, and I'm in Berlin and there isn't much of a of an Afro-diasporic influence to music around yeah, sure, me. But sure, it, sure. it bring, you know, it, it connects me to stuff that like I, I don't necessarily hear if I'm even though I'm if if like I'm going to Trezor necessarily on any on a regular weekend and stuff. Do you know how in that sense of sort of like curation, you know, um what do you feel is like sort of what do, you, what do you feel like sort of with your club nights and stuff like that is the kind of thing that, you know, you can really give or that you really sort of feel like you're, you're experiencing when you're there? I think what works for me really is like when I'm approaching, like curating my nights, it's very much like I want to bring together just stuff that's like everything that's like in my playlists, basically. Mm. And what works for me is when I'm just getting people like hearing again, the sort of like similarities of the synergy between all of it, even though it's not like artists playing the same sound or you've kind of got like a live act in between and I want people to like kind of walk away being like oh yeah that was sick because I was able to experience like a bit of like Afro house and then I could experience some techno and then we could go into some denary segment and then we could have some like um uh, 90s dance hall and then and then it's like oh okay I get it like I want people to be able to like get that it's kind of all coming from I say like a, a black a black experience like because I don't think there's one singular black experience at all but I want it to and it's not always even about only platforming black artists or whatever but for me my interest is predominantly like within like afro-diasporic stuff but not in the way that you kind of expect and like I want people to like come open-minded and sort of get where the dot and like just see where the dots are joining up and almost feel like the night's seamless in a way mm. um and I don't want them to be jarring in the sense that like it's kind of you know the intention is not to go from like really heavy intense one thing into like another thing and just to like make people feel kind of like confused and sort of maybe a little bit um a little bit uh kind of head fucked I think I want people to just see just, I just ultimately want people to understand that like black music and black electronic music is like so diverse and it doesn't need to we don't need to always be segregated and we don't need to have like Oh, I get the need for communities, but it doesn't need to be. We don't have to have, you know, nights that are specifically for like this kind of thing or this kind of blackness, mm. that kind of blackness. Da, da, da. And just to see that, like, actually, you know, it's uh, as I said, like what that like, what I listen to every month on my monthly playlist is like a mixture of so many things. And so for me to be able to, I, I think, and for me to be able to like, ultimately, I'd love to be able to do like a festival, like mm. my own K festival, because that's when I feel like I'd really be able to go in. And it's difficult sometimes with with um curating club nights because you've got a certain amount of time certain amount of budget only like five people four people you can have in my brain my creative brain when it comes to curating is just like ah everyone <laughs> like now and mm. i'm like, trying to fit like 10 artists into like a few hours so it feels restrictive at times but i like i think that's for me why i want like radio and the club nights and my dj sets and my label to all sort of tell a story of like what i'm trying to do and what for me what music I find exciting and how it can all make sense together at the same time so like I want it all to almost read like a bit of a book I guess of like oh, okay like now you see it all the collage sort of all put together it makes sense rather than just the club night or just the radio or just the late I want it to kind of all fall under one I guess yeah that's a really lovely way to describe it um I, uh, what would you say would be um to someone that's maybe 
the age you were when you were like listening to Vampire Weekend or maybe like when you were sort of feeling like you wanted to start doing stuff. Um, what would you say to anyone that, you know, wants to go into uh, like maybe a younger version of you that wants to go into broadcasting and wants to DJ, but maybe is sort of in a place where they don't feel they've got the confidence, you know, or they don't know how to start, you know, even going out and getting what they want. What would you say, what advice would you give to someone? I would say um, look at the people of, that you really rate, like have a look at like kind of write a list down of artists that you really like or people that you like look up to and maybe looking at kind of looking into like their careers and how they got to where they are. Um, and, you know, looking at genuinely like looking for opportunities, seeing what opportunities are available, like in your area, like in mm. your city, because there is stuff out there generally and like actually having a look. Um, and also just not being afraid to just record some stuff. And then even if you find it a bit shit or whatever, just getting stuff recorded, even if it's uploaded to like a SoundCloud that's private or whatever, just for good practice. Because I know the worst thing you can do, because I, I have a habit of doing it too, is just mm telling myself I'm going to do da, 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 and then like kind of planning it in my head, but waiting for perfection before I do it. Mm. And actually just like not like, be, and also learning to enjoy the process and being okay with just like the rough draft also being fine because that's all part of you getting better. So just like applying yourself and throwing yourself out there, I think as much as you can, which is what I try to always do. And what I used to do a lot more when I was first starting out and I want to, you know, pick up that attitude more now because it's important to just, try stuff you know and you're going to get it wrong sometimes and there isn't really any getting it wrong with DJing it's just like having fun and trying to figure out as you go along I suppose yeah no I, I totally agree as well I, I I've kind of like I have to keep reminding myself of that all of the time really as well because I think um the idea is, is just, I think you progress more by just trying stuff, putting stuff out and not worrying about it than kind of trying to create something that you think is a perfect thing, which is kind of always going to be sort of slipping away or further yeah. away. It's just just keep moving, really, and keep producing and keep making stuff. I, I definitely think is the best way and, and not, not to worry about it too much. Yeah, definitely. Tash, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So, I'm so thank happy we know. made this happen. So thank you so much. No worries. Let me know when it's coming out and stuff. I'm playing in uh, Berlin in September, so I'll let you know. Brilliant. I'll definitely come along to that. Like, do you know yeah, what venue? Do you know what venue it is you're playing at? Trezor. Ah, perfect. I'm going there tonight. Yeah. Oh, sick. <laughs> you might as well just take that the next couple of weeks, and then we'll see you inside. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just find a little corner. <laughs> ah, I'm sure you will. God, it's Berlin. Nobody's yeah. Here. I know, totally. <laughs> oh. Well, you have fun. Um, we're playing on this as as second of September. Brilliant. Okay, just a few weeks away. Take care. Have a wonderful right. afternoon. Take Bye, Paul. Bye. That was Tash Elsie talking with me, Paul Hamford, for Lost and Sound. We had that conversation a couple of weeks ago. Thank you so 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 much, Tash, for for the chats. Um, really loved listening back to that this morning as, as I was, as I was kind of cleaning it up and sticking this little, getting this little voice bit ready, ready to put on, uh, put on the podcast for you. Um, this whole kind of concept about, not concept, this whole just kind of dialogue is ongoing at the moment about like sort of what has changed, what could be better what we're noticing, what we're feeling in the, in the couple of years, um, now everything's back up again. 
that's going to kind of resurface from time to time. And it's a, it's a conversation I'm sure you are having and experiencing and noticing yourselves. Um, yep, yep. If you've not by any chance checked out Tash LC's NTS show, and I'm sure you have, go and check it out. It's fucking amazing. And head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Paul Hanford, where you can get extra little mini episodes every month. You can get like occasional video episodes. You get my diary entries. You get all sorts of stuff. You get a chance to be part of the Lost and Sound community on Discord. Head on over there. See what you think. Let me know what you think. This episode has also been sponsored by Audio Technica. Thank you so much, Audio Technica. My first ever microphone. Making high quality studio equipment accessible for all. The music you hear at the beginning at the end is by ESO. I always put a link to ESO's Instagram in there. Go and check it out. Uh, ESO has done lots of really, really good stuff. And it just leaves me to say thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing one. Have an amazing one. I hope wherever you are, the weather is just, just peachy. It's not too humid. And it's also still summer. Have a fucking great one. And I'll see you next week.